0: What's going on folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, I got my co-host as always, (laughs) Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing tonight? I screwed that intro up pretty bad, didn't I? From our normal cadence.
1: (laughs) You normally do, so it's okay.
0: I guess if I didn't screw it up, it'd be unusual.
1: Yeah, you normally choke on my name. Yeah. On the Freelance Duck Hunting name.
0: I just want people to have a tough time spelling it, so they can't actually find you.
1: Well, no one seems to want to find me anyway, so you know, that's all right. Now, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. They had we had the a um, post in the hardcore waterfowler on on Facebook talking about everyone's favorite channel, and you know, you definitely were up there in the hall of fame.
1: Yeah, the name was mentioned a few times, wasn't it? They even mentioned the podcast. Yeah
0: definitely uh hearing that stuff it feels like a little pat on the back and
1: yeah for sure i always like it when there's about what about three times a year someone on hardcore waterfowl pops up what i'm bored what youtube channel should i listen to and i'm like oh this is a fun day (laughs) it's fun checking and seeing if people what people are saying there's typically several hate threads about bobby on there that that take place and then there's you know, that always goes on. That was actually not as much this time, but normally you'll see that. And then other just mentions of people.
0: Yeah, I thought it was cool to kind of see, you know, we're seeing more and more. Our people are lumping the whole flyways together, the whole flyways collective together. They'll be like, check out all these guys. And it's the whole flyways. And that's kind of what we yeah. we're hoping for. You know, um, we're all putting out tons of fun, good quality content for duck hunting. Um, and people are kind of seeing us as a a group now. So uh, definitely cool to see yeah. that
1: as well. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm certainly excited about the prospects of the flyaways collective and the hats and the gear and the hunting together. And yeah, I'm really, really excited. I, I, I'll tell you, I am so excited to see the other five guys in the collective review videos like that, my videos and talk about them. I'm having fun doing those videos for the people. I just can't wait to see, people review my hunts do you feel the same way
0: yeah no definitely be cool um for sure so um i guess you're you're not letting out spoilers nobody knows we're doing that yet elliot
1: <laughs> well i'm gonna tell them right now is that all right
0: yeah that's fine i'm just kidding
1: yeah it's cool i mean so we've got this idea with the flyways collective you guys probably know who that is it's a bunch of youtube creators banded together to just kind of You know do this thing as a group instead of fight against each other you know unity and and we're all like-minded in our ethics and our hunt style pretty much and so we've got this thing going on in august where i'm giving a video to each flyways member and each flyways member is doing that so and then we're going to do a reaction video to each other's hunt so on my channel there'll be five reaction videos one a week one for each member of the flyways collective where we just have our face down the side of the screen and and we're watching a video and just talking about it and I hope the guys on, – on my videos, I'm certainly – because the whole idea is to, to do a reaction to it. So I feel like that you need to be significantly making comments and saying things. So I hope that the other guys are doing that too, like actually talking through it and giving thoughts and opinions and, and things like that. I hope. Yeah.
0: I'm sure everybody will have their own style kind of through it, but I definitely agree. I know in mine I have made comments, but, you know, I'm definitely not as outspoken about you or as – as you are, I'm definitely outspoken about you, but.
1: <laughs> You're plenty outspoken about me. You're just not as outspoken as me. <laughs> yeah, except
0: for about you. Then it's like all day, every day.
1: Yeah, you had to have my back on that live stream. People were trash talking me on that live stream that first uh, time. That, yeah, there was in, one had person. There,
0: there, I think there was just one person, and <laughs> they were. What were they saying? Oh, I think they're just saying that you were. Uh, you were—I don't know—they just pretty much said you're garbage.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you were, as you always do, you take my opinions and like multiply them <laughs> times a thousand. And uh, you were talking about me hating Dove spinners, um, hate hating using them. And someone said something, and no, because that, you know the way i it's the way I figure it though. The... If you don't have any people that hate you, then you're not doing it right. You've yeah. got to like <laughs> some people have to dislike you. Or you're insignificant.
0: Yeah. Well, you've uh, I guess you've achieved it because that's all I can talk about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it was... Uh, Sometime yeah. we'll have to rehash that Dove Spinner thing. I've been thinking more about it. Sometime we'll have to...
0: No, it's it's more fun just to hate on you for it. But uh, right oh, no. now, you got the Freak Baby Mojo. And you had <laughs> you had that in your stories. That's why it came up. And my comment was, um, because I brought my two Dove, dove Mojos for till season. Because we had this talk before... Till season and like I can't remember, but you got a story about like a hawk and how hawks aren't attracted to dove mojos, but they are to duck mojos or I'm sure it's not that I don't have it right, but it's something like that. And then from there, yeah. from there we got to um <laughs> uh then you're going to hunt with a freak baby mojo, but you won't hunt with a dove <laughs> mojo. I'm like, okay, this makes sense.
1: First of all, I have hunted with dove mojos for ducks. You can't say that I won't.
0: Oh, when it's I put my those out, preference when I put to. those out, though, in the teal hunt, you literally told me that I cost fumble Mitz's bird and I, that you hoped I was happy.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure that some of that was probably in jest. I don't know.
0: You put your finger right in my chest and were like stabbing me with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're a lot younger than me. Every, yeah, if I do anything, my back and everything aches. I don't, I don't know. I probably wouldn't pick a fight with you. I'm not saying I couldn't do a little damage if we did get into it, but it's not. I don't think I. I would just like start a fight with you.
0: That'd probably be your cop out. You'd be like, "That's accurate." You'd be like all up in my face, and then like I'd call your bluff, and you'd be like, "Oh, my back, my back."
1: (laughs) No, I would start the fight, and then if I was losing, then I would scream, "My back, my back." (laughs) Yeah, and then you'd come in and I'd sucker punch you,
0: probably. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's how that's how i roll in those situations yeah I don't remember what we're talking about to get to this point so we were talking about spinners and uh oh you have in my back because people were trash talking oh yeah on yeah. that live stream or yeah. one guy made one comment it wasn't people were trash talking me
0: yeah i think his <laughs> so. his exact words was full choke outdoors is hot garbage
1: <laughs> no that wasn't it
0: <laughs> yeah it's hard to remember
1: yeah <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes some of my videos probably are, if I'm being <laughs> honest. <laughs> Go back and roll through a bunch of season one specifically and, and some more than, other than that, I'm sure, too. But. Yeah.
0: I don't think I ever told you this. I think I wasn't going to tell you until I did it. But last year, I watched your whole se- your whole series from start to finish.
1: <laughs> like from season one?
0: Yeah, from season one all the way through.
1: Oh, man, mm-hmm. that's a great honor. <laughs>
0: actually. I mean, it was when it was, people, it was good. I'll say your camera work, like you said, was pretty shaky in season one. I mean, yeah, but I, I think I started watching, um, a, some of your season one videos when I first started. I, honestly, I don't even know if I knew exactly how YouTube worked back in the day, but you know, but so it was kind of like, uh, I, I forgot about a lot of them. So definitely solid all the way from start to finish as far as, you know, a. uh, a waterfowl show goes
1: on YouTube. I appreciate that. I think that season one is I, no one was really watching. And so I was as open and honest and raw as you could possibly be in, in season one as the more people you have watching, you've got to dial it back. I feel like it's, well, let me say this when no one's watching, it's easier to just say whatever you want without even thinking about it. And as yeah. you get more people following you, Excuse me. and More people making comments, it's going to seep into your subconscious whether you like it or not. Yeah. And, and it just is. So certainly, season one, the camera sucked and everything, but it's as it's about as raw and like, okay, these are just guys out hunting as, as you can possibly possibly get. I think that I think I've lost that a little bit in the last season from like season one and two and three, where it was just like the guys, my family, the guys, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah no it's hard to I think it's hard to do all that and do everything right and keep everything going year after year and like I think there's gonna be you know dips and highs and lows you know what I mean um Mm -hmm. in any like storytelling um endeavor so you know I mean but you've been doing it for five seasons so kudos to you so
1: (laughs) yeah every hunt except for two during that time frame one one of those hunts was with you that I didn't film
0: well, luckily, I, the I was eyesight. there to capture it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so every one of my hunts except for one has been captured on video. Yeah, that's
0: over crazy. That, over
1: that five years.
0: Yeah, I, what I'm kind of, you know, it's it's looking a long ways off, but um, I think it's going to be super cool in, like, 20, 30 years or something to, like, look back at it, you know what I mean, and see. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. That's almost like it's just crazy to think about, and that's going to be – Honestly, it's going to be generational, like, as far as, like, um, there's going to be lots of people who've done, like, YouTube and put up content um, mm. where it's, like, your kids and maybe even their kids are going to be able to see it. And, like, who knows by then, like, what technology is going to be like. Is it going to be, like, trying to go, go back and watch black and white film or, like, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, But, yeah, definitely pretty cool.
1: It is. It's already kind of that way for me because, like, my kids, season one, there's, like, the youth weekend, and and Nevin and Elijah were so little. I mean, they're 16 and 15 now, so they were, like, 10 and 11 then, yeah. and it was like, pre- and post-puberty. I mean, it's, like, they seem like such little, tiny kids in that, and watching that is really it's already happening as far as going back in time and watching that stuff.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. So I've, I've only got my kid on video, I think just twice, you know, I mean, she's obviously just a toddler, so there's not too much. You can film duck hunt, duck hunting related (laughs) with a toddler, but um, travel vlog when we went out there for teal and um, a decoy video, but you know, it's going to be cool to see Like you said, just going back in time and, and seeing all that kind of stuff. And especially like what you got with, with the hunting and even for them, I, like they can go back and look at some of their first hunts ever. Um, because yeah. I, I was trying to think about that, you know, here in the, the past with my grandpa and everything. And um, I went back and I was trying to look at like old pictures and it's like, you forget, you know, I, I was about the same age probably um, going with my grandpa and I, seeing some of those pictures. It's like uh, the memory of that, you know, 29 years ago, or not 29, 19 years ago, you know, um, just crazy. You know, it'd be so cool to have a video of it.
1: Yeah, well, that that's the only reason that I started filming was just to preserve memories. I was dumbfounded that anyone wanted to watch them. I was putting them up on YouTube and, oh, my gosh, people are actually watching this. <laughs> what is going on? People are actually watching this and commenting, oh, I just made two cents. that—that <laughs> <laughs> uh, That is the absolute reason. I love that. I love that that, that. that was my initial motive. It's not bad if you started up to try to build something, but I do take pride and love the fact that it was just just to preserve memories and anything that I have. I mean, look at this. I'm so proud of being on this podcast with you. And if I'm going to like talk to someone that doesn't know anything about what I do, I'm uh, honestly, I'm probably going to mention the podcast before I mention the YouTube channel. Um, and it just out of just trying to preserve memories. (laughs) So it's hard to be disappointed about how anything performs when my ultimate goal was just to have memories.
0: Yeah. No, I hear you. Definitely the same boat as you on that. All right, let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit here. Um, so kind of giving you a brief overview. You want to give a brief overview of of what we're talking about tonight on the main portion of the podcast?
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have Phil Conkey back on here in a second. If you guys listened to our podcast two weeks ago, um, we talked about Big Sean Hammock and the situation um, that has been all over um, the internet the past few weeks about, him getting a violation for an incident with a swan and, and two episodes. We talked about it in depth, Phil and Jordan. and I, We went probably a good solid 40 minutes on the topic. And at the end of it, we said, if there's more information that comes out, we will do a follow up um, podcast about it. So uh, Big Sean, he put out another uh, Facebook video, actually the exact same time day that we recorded that last one. And our big thing, Jordan's and mine and Phil specifically, was this pile of birds. And we're going to read the whole article here before we get started about what happened so that those of you that didn't catch that last one, you still kind of know what's going on. But our big issue was there was this pile of 98 unclean birds. And in Big Sean's first Facebook video um, explanation, he didn't even mention it at all. And so we were left off with, well, this is a big deal. Why wasn't it discussed? And in his follow-up video, he does address this 98 pile of uh, unclean birds, 50 ducks, 23 pheasants, 24 geese, and he does address that a little bit. So we all listen to this, and we're just going to do, it's probably going to be a little shorter than, than last time, but we're going to address what he said about um, the pile of birds and, and just kind of discuss it. Once again, our goal is not to bash him. We're just, this is something that's all over the internet, and we're trying to give a fair detailed account of what took place. Actually, he messaged me on Instagram after the first one, and he was very nice. He felt like we did a fair job. Um, He felt like maybe we got some things wrong um, just because we didn't know, but he was really, really nice. In fact, all my communications with him have been very, very nice. So um, he was satisfied with the first podcast, I think, and wasn't upset about it or anything, which I thought was really cool. So we're just going to do another little segment where we just talk about that situation.
0: So what what Elliot's trying to say is since he wasn't upset, he's gonna really lay down the hammer, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. no, no, I mean, if I felt <laughs> if I felt like I'm gonna be honest and give my honest opinion, yeah,
0: yeah, no, that's the whole and, thing. You but, know, honest about our feelings on it and lay out the facts. But we're not here to like point the finger at anybody. Um, especially if we don't know the story. Uh, all we know is what we can see from the facts, and we'll, we'll talk about the facts that we see and um you know i guess this i guess the best way to put it is it's not an opinion piece we're trying to do more of invest, investigational journalism uh in a way with with
1: opinions thrown in with with some speculation and opinions thrown in but mostly yeah, yeah. here's what the article yeah, but said if it was here's just, what Sean said yeah if um, it was just we're opinion, trying to put though, the pieces together a little bit
0: yeah If it was just opinion though we would just kind of spout off what we what we felt about it and it's not really what yeah. we feel about it. it i mean it is no. somewhat so it, it's definitely a <laughs> You know, we're just trying to be professional about it, so. Absolutely. But, yeah. All right. Um, But before we jump into the rest of the podcast, um, let's go ahead and give a big thanks out to our partners. Um, But before we do that even, um, I want to give a big thanks out to you guys, the listeners, the followers of the podcast. Um, April, May, and March. I don't know why I did it out of of order, (laughs) but... (laughs) Those months, <laughs> now I've got myself all confused. But anyways, those months are kind of like the valley in between, like, waterfowl seasons uh, where, you know, the listenership really dip, dips off for YouTube and podcasts. Everybody's kind of thinking about different things and everything. So if you guys are listening to the podcast now, then chances are you are one of the most hardcore Duck Gun podcast listeners. And so we salute you (laughs) and appreciate you guys tuning in week after week. Um, You know, we love waterfowl hunting just as much as you, and it means a lot. So big thanks out to you guys. And if you guys want to do us a big favor, um, not only by listening to this podcast, go check out Duck and Chronicles on YouTube, Freelance Duck Hunting on YouTube. We put out a ton of content out there as well. Um, We're doing live streams over there for the podcast here and there um, as well. So we'd, uh, we'd enjoy seeing you across all of our, our platforms as well. So yeah. Alrighty. Um, first off, I'd like to give a big thanks out to HDR innovations guys. Uh, I'm going to talk about the gun stand again this week. The gun stand is really one of my favorite products from HDR innovation. It actually is, uh, the best seller from HDR innovations of all their products. Um, and for a good reason. It is just awesome. If you hunt water at all, if you're standing in the cattails, the marshes, uh, I mean, it really is a must-have. Like, I I will not hunt without one anymore. I just won't because it doesn't make sense. Um, You can stick it in the mud. You put your gun on it. You put your blind bag on it. You put your birds. Everything stays up out of the water, and you can sit right there behind it with a marsh stool. Um, It's just perfect for that. Just literally perfect. And guys, um, if you use code DuckGun10 at checkout, you'll get 10% off and free shipping on your gun stand. So um, definitely check out that. They got some cool accessories to add to them coming this summer as well. So you don't want to miss out on that.
1: I will also say about HTR, just real quick. I put a post out today. of I do a lot of kayak layout hunting and I put a post out today on social media and it was just a little video clip showing my Ascend H12 and there was the HTR layout lounge inside of it. And someone messaged me and they're like, you know, does that HTR layout thing, does that really make that much of a difference? And I'm telling you guys, if you hunt out of a layout boat or out of a kayak, these layout lounges are absolutely phenomenal to put inside of your boat. The thing that is so great about them is it almost works like an adjustable seat. Where if like during teal season, I'm not going to lay it all the way back. So I'm going to sit it up and be sitting up upright. And you can kind of adjust it to do that. If But if late season mallards, you want to get all the way flat, you just scoot it down more into your boat and now you're laying flat all the way out. And you can paddle with it on there by sitting on. T- it is, I'm telling you guys, if you lay out boat hunt, if you have a kayak that you lay out on out that, the HTR layout lounge is going to make it so much more comfortable for you. Absolutely true. So go go check that out. Um, but gunner kennels also is a sponsor of us. Jordan and I both have a kennel and we love them. They are, I call it just a, the tank, like get in your tank, Georgie. It is USA made double walled roto molded, uh, roto molded five star crash test. Perfect for trips and keeping man's best friends safe. If you want a, a kennel, that's going to go in the back of your truck. And you can use ratchet straps to strap that thing down and you want them. You got all this time and this money invested in your dog. This is the kennel that you want. Uh, Product code DuckGun10, Duck, no space, Gun10 for 10% off. Go keep that dog safe.
0: Awesome. Also, would like to give a big thanks out to Banded Avery Greenhead Gear. Um, Guys, I just got my hands on the Banded 2.0 Elite Waders and the Netgear Camo natural gear camo, um, and I've showed it to a couple of people, and it's just everybody's like, man, that looks that looks awesome. Um, so they're definitely, you know, we've, we've talked about it before with the Bandit 2.0s, not to sound vain, but that's how Elliot likes it, um, looking awesome <laughs> in your waders. <laughs> so the, the Elite are just kind of a little bit of a step up from that. Um, but, yeah, they're just awesome. Once you go to breathable waders, you'll never go back to neoprene. Um,
1: never yep. neoprene are so <laughs> uncomfortable and they freeze and it's like you can't hardly move in them I will never go back to neoprene
0: yeah yep and you know the good thing about them too is they got the brush guard kind of um, from the ankles up to the to the upper shin and you know if you're going to run into the stick a stick into the water it's going to protect you you're not going to puncture it um, and you'll be good to go there so I love them Um, but you know definitely check out banded over there Uh, and all their stuff, banded.com. they got plenty of awesome summer sales going on right now. All right, let's go ahead and jump on into the podcast. All righty, folks, we are back, and we got Phil on the phone with us. Um, Just a brief reintroduction for uh, Phil. He was actually on with us a couple weeks ago, last time we talked about this. Um, So, uh, he is a central flyway hunter um, and photographer as well. Um, so how you doing tonight, Phil? Uh, I'm doing great. Just, uh, awesome. Appreciate you coming back on
1: here and talking to us again about this. We had you on the first time where we all discussed it, so we thought if we're going to do a follow-up, we want to we have you back on so that you can kind of help us sort through this.
2: Yeah, seems like there's some interesting things to talk about, so it should be fun.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll let Elliot, um, I'll let you kind of lead on. Um, okay. same as last, last podcast.
1: All right. So once again, guys, um, if you're not aware of this situation, that's been all over the internet, this is part two, um, of our discussion of it. So, um, you can go back and listen to the first one, either before this or after this, whichever you want, but it is there. But I'm gonna go ahead and reread the article and just go through some of the points that Sean, um, described as he did his second Facebook yeah. video. Um, just kind of explaining his side of the story and to what happened. So, this is an article that came out, and I'm just going to read it word for word here. It says Minnesota man guilty of game violation. A stillwater Minnesota man who ran a guide service in Marshall County was convicted of wanton waste of a game bird in a circuit court ruling on April 7th. Sean Hammock was sentenced to 30 days in jail. His South Dakota hunting license was revoked for two years, and he was fined $500 plus court cost of $68.50. The jail sentence was suspended as long as Hammock has no violations of federal, state, or municipal laws for a period of one year. Court records indicated that GEP officials discovered a pit at Hammock's camp near Cattail Lake that contained 98 unclean birds, including 50 ducks, 23 pheasants, 24 geese, and one swan. Due to a plea agreement, Hammond, Hammond pled guilty to harvesting a swan that had a tag with his name on it and throwing it into a field without any attempt to clean it. There was a lot more to this than just one swan, said Marshall County Deputy State Attorney Victor Rapcock. There were likely more than 98 birds, but they couldn't be ID'd because of animals eating them. There were originally seven counts, and part of the plea agreement was for court economy. Considering the severity of everything, it was a pretty good deal for him, Hammock. So that was the article. Um, before we get into Sean's second video, which the first video um, we talked about in great detail, I'm sure Phil and Jordan, both of you guys, have had time just to kind of – think through everything we said on the, on the last podcast. And do you guys have anything that's kind of rolling around in your mind after the first podcast? Not necessarily what he said um, on the second, but just anything that maybe you wish that you had clarified or said differently, or just any additional thoughts about the whole thing before we get into um, Sean's video on Facebook, his second video.
2: I think I'm, we covered pretty much everything that, that I had going in my head.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jordan. Yeah. you want
0: to? No, I, I think add. I don't think there's anything I want to add. You got anything you're, you're thinking about adding?
1: No, not not really. I mean, I think we were all on the same page. At the last one that we really needed an explanation or wanted, not necessarily need it because it's ultimately and it doesn't involve us, but want an explanation of the 98 bird pile, um, because it just wasn't discussed in the first one, and and that's what he gave in the second one. So in this video, Sean starts off by reading um, emails and correspondence that he's had with people, and I mean, I guess I wasn't surprised at the the communications he's had from people, but I guess if you're sending people messages saying you want them to die because of um, throwing a swan in a ditch, that seemed a, a bit extreme. I wasn't oh. surprised by it, but kind of sad to see all of the. I would say just hate poured poured mm-hmm. on him. I mean, well, we can judge him how we want, but some of some of the stuff he was reading that people were saying were a little bit. I don't know, a little just bit tasteful. intense. Maybe, Ex- <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. It's one thing uh, to not like someone or their actions, but that for shooting a swan or for whatever, whatever the deal was. That,
0: yeah. We got laws and punishments and death is not one of them for, uh, for that crime.
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) For sure. For sure. So Sean went on to reread the wanton waste laws and to make clear that birds thrown in a ditch is not illegal. Now what he got a ticket for was throwing a swan in a ditch. And I think that we're all probably in agreement that um, we're talking about ethics and not necessarily law breaking. And Sean wanted to make that point clear. He also went on to say, the, again, that um, his former employer, Tim Foyles, wants revenge and is out to get him. And, I, I, and Jordan, I think you were totally on point when you were – because we couldn't quite figure out why he was bringing Tim Foyles into this so much. And I think it just has to do with he's the one that's pushing this stuff on social media.
0: Yeah, I think um, you got so. the name wrong. It's Jeff, right? Jeff Foyles? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jeff I'm sorry. Boyle. Yes,
1: Jeff Foyles. Yes, thank you, Jeff Foyles. Um, Which is a former employer. So then he did start to get into the bird pile again in the article. It said 98 unclean birds, including 50 ducks, 23 pheasants and 24 geese. He starts off by talking about the pheasants and he's saying, hey, why in the world? He's kind of saying this part wasn't true, I thought, Um, because he's saying, why would we not want to eat them? Um, And then he's saying, what if those pheasants had killed each other? What if they had disease and we didn't know it? He's basically just saying. These are expensive birds. They're delicious. Why in the world would we just throw away um, good tasting pheasants, essentially, um, on that part? Um, Now, he goes on to talk about um, starts kind of talking about himself in third person a little bit. And and I I did find a little discrepancy here because there's several times where he kind of reference references, uh, maybe Big Sean threw things in a pile. But then later on, he says he never even saw the gut pile. So I don't know whether to take those things literally or figuratively or what. But there was a little bit of, of contradictory information in that he's talking about, I threw a swan in the pile. And then in the first video, in the second video, he's like, I've never even seen the pile. So I was a little bit confused by that. Um, then he in the video, he keeps saying, I'm not going to defend it. But then he... Kind of does. He says, "I'm not going to give an explanation for it," but then he goes on and gives an explanation for yeah. it. I, I, and, uh, go
0: yeah, and yeah, I would say that I feel like um, I, I get his point about like people are going to believe what they want to believe at the end of the day, no matter what you tell them. But I feel like I'd rather hear hear the explanation than um, not hear the explanation because some people aren't going to believe it or going to make up whatever they say. I think that it, um, you know, if if you're trying to make your case it actually hurts your case to say I'm not going to tell you the explanation
2: especially if you're making a 35 minute long video about it where you repeat and repeat that you're not gonna yeah yeah. I would yeah. I mean I'm glad I'm glad that he did because I mean, at least it provides some some form of insight into what happened and go from there
0: yeah and if it I mean you know he was saying there's wings in there and heads in there and you know all kinds of remains. Um so I wonder, you know, like, you know, from the whole season that's the remains, but they went through and that's the birds they found that weren't clean. Is that
1: what the article is saying? Yeah. Those are yeah, they I found ninety eight unclean birds. Yeah. Okay. And this part was kind of my biggest issue with the whole thing. Um and I guess it was the most difficult for me to believe because again he's saying I'm not going to give an explanation, but then he's like, well, what if? And I'm assuming when he does that, then he's actually giving the explanation. Is that how you guys took it?
2: Yeah, for sure. It seemed like towards the he's... end, he alluded to a lot of things by saying that or something similar to it. I, I'm taking that as that being the being the explanation
0: so so he talked Me at too. one point about he's saying that there's guys that don't like him in the area because he's hunting places and what if somebody turned the the temperature up in the meat room and they had birds hanging in there um and i know some some people hang pheasant hang ducks for a couple of days before they clean them um you know that's not I, you know in the winter obviously the last um i don't know how they, mm-hmm. they last at other temperatures but uh, was he trying to imply right there that somebody was trying to get him, you know, trying to ruin his meat and then tell the, the warden where the birds were or something like that? I guess, what, what was your guys' take on that?
2: I didn't catch the part about the meat room. Um, part, I gather, what seemed kind of conspiracy-like was the just someone like maybe throwing birds in the, in the pile or in the ditch or whatever it was. Um, to, I, can you imagine someone like being that thought out if that was the case? I mean, to be like, okay, if I turn the, <laughs> the temperature down in there in this room, then they're going to have to throw it away. And then I can call. I mean, if I, I didn't catch him saying that, but if he did, that'd have to be quite a, well-planned out and orchestrated event.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the way he was saying it, he wasn't saying anything. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you have to draw a bunch of lines to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. connect the dots on your own story. Um, yeah, kind of open
2: to open to interpretation.
0: Yeah. So,
2: I don't
1: think that he was saying that, Jordan, at all. I think that he was... I think he was saying hypothetically, what if, what if... Um, as far as other people around there, turn them in. But then when he talked about the clean shed, I took that as a literal explanation of the, of the ducks in there. That, that, that was my take. And what he said was, is what if we've got our birds in our clean shed and what if somebody turns it up to 80 degrees? I thought of some, I, th- I was thinking like a worker, like accidentally did that. Now, and then he yeah. said, and what if they had gotten rotten and maggots were crawling on them? Now, there, there's the problem where I just cannot connect these dots. If 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 you're killing birds every day because he's saying they're shoot they shot limits almost every day, he said, which it's a guide service. They probably did. And mm-hmm. how long are you going to leave birds in a clean shed before cleaning them? If you're shooting limits every day, well, wouldn't new birds go into that clean shed every day? And how long would it yeah. take in the winter for maggots to get into birds? because it was turned up to 80 degrees that would take days wouldn't it
2: yeah it would
1: it would take a long time for maggots to get into birds hanging in a in a shed because it was 80 degrees So if you're hanging these birds and you're going to come back and clean them, I would, to me, the longest you're going to wait to clean them is 24 hours. And you're probably not going to do that. You're probably, you go on the hunt, you take your pictures, you hang them, you go clean up or whatever, and then you come back in a few hours to clean them. I would think that's the way that it would be. Now, if it's cold, like Jordan said, sometimes, let's say you hung them for two days. All right. Um, At 80 degrees, they're not going to have maggots after two days. It's going to have to be days and days and days on end before they get maggots. Right. Well,
2: yeah, the flies have to come back. One the flies have to be there, and then the, for the maggots to hatch and all that. I mean, that's
0: yeah. Well, it just depends on the the time of year, then, right? Because, like, obviously, January, December, there's no flies around. Um, you know, September, or guess, October, there's flies around. I
2: didn't see where. So, I didn't see the date. I don't remember the date that it actually all happened, but you know, he's. I'm sure he's here October, November, um, okay. here in South Dakota, and it's. I it's cold up there, so by we were froze up. Most of it was froze up, and in, in in November. So, but it's cold. Yeah. Um, you know. yeah. But for flies, just pop back up out, out of nowhere. Lay some eggs. Sure. and Have maggots magically appear twenty four hours later. It was a little fast.
1: Yeah. At that point, at when he gave that explanation, I'm thinking, okay they were throwing birds in the ditch because they didn't want to claim and eat them. And that's when it became, I I just, that's, that's the conclusion I personally drew. I thought that doesn't make any sense to me that there's maggots in them and no one knew about them being spoiled for days and days there's Mm -hmm. maggots in them. So, okay. There's some level of activity where, okay, we've shot limits every single day. We've got so many birds. Let's just pitch some in a ditch. Yeah. And that was my conclusion at that, but you we know, so now we go back to, it's still not illegal, it's terribly yeah. unethical, terribly yeah. it should that should be illegal to me and my in my way of thinking a pile of ninety eight birds should be illegal, um, mm-hmm. if it's not it's not, but that that was where I kind of that was the moment in listening to it that I was like okay that that doesn't add up.
0: So here's my question on that, and so. um you know, I think we've talked about this on the last podcast. So, it is, it is by the law, the guide's responsibility for those birds. Right? Am I right? I think that, I don't know if that varies by state or not. Um,
2: you know, like he talked about the one law waste laws vary. I don't know if that, yeah. I think that's the point I was going to make is, that's all happening at your place. Yeah. your clients.
0: I still, I still think that, I think that's crazy that it's the, the guide's responsibility, though. I mean, I, I guess I get it partly. It, it's, like, partly, but, like, for the people who hunted and killed the birds and took the birds, you I mean, those are your birds, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, like, I feel like they're just as much to blame on that. Like, if you did that, if you went to a guide yeah. service and you're just like, nah.
2: I'm just going to keep shooting.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not eating yeah. these. I'm just throwing them in a ditch. I think that's a real problem if that's people's mindset.
2: I wonder if there, and I, this is the total guess, but I wonder if there's a, something in the law where if the guide allows it or is part of it, maybe that's something that, I mean, he, he didn't get busted for it. So it, it was only something he did, but, um, isn't, but you know, if it's something, maybe that's what they were going after. And because, but he said so he didn't shoot many, hunt many birds. You know, as a non-resident, he can only hunt, only actually hunt ten days in the season. So he probably didn't hunt or actually shoot a lot himself. And yeah. then, and so he's dealing. So I, I mean, maybe the, as a guide, you just take the thing. All right, guys, your birds. See ya. You know, if you don't offer the processing service and all that, they just try to keep hands off. But those guides need to find. They somehow, they got to find where the, where that. Is at and that whole deal. So yeah, it is it's a strange. It'd be a strange piece because you're kind of riding a line of you know how do I deal with this because these guys are paying me for a hunt.
0: Yeah, well, you don't want to upset them, you know.
2: Yeah, they want. Yeah, and they don't, and they don't want to clean this bluebell. So do I have to tell them they have to clean this bluebell? Well, I know that it's a lot of like big, you know, operations and lodges, like yeah, yep, that's what you're doing. Yep. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, because he does specifically talk about bluebills and mergansers, and he's like, "I'm not yeah. going to shoot them because I'm not going to eat them." But my clients, they're going to do whatever they want to do. So maybe mm. your thought, Phil, is that the clients he wasn't paying attention to what the clients were doing. I'm
2: guessing with the birds I mean, afterwards. I have, like I have like my in my imagination, the scene is one where. I don't know what their lodge or what their house or whatever he's staying at looks like. I imagine a shed or a trailer house somewhere in Northeast South Dakota in Marshall County. And they, it's kind of the home base and they got all their stuff there. And then they probably the cleaning table and, you know, day to day basis there's birds coming and going and different people coming and going and things just get thrown back in there and, and and it might even be a not – doesn't even have to be one of those things where, like, yeah, we don't eat those, we just throw them type deal. But, oh, yeah, when you're done with your birds, they go back there. That kind of a deal. And and then that's what happens. And it happens without him having to necessarily know what's going on, which, I mean, I'd be – if I was in his scenario, I'd want to be super cautious of that because, who knows? Like, kind of like, he said, who knows what they can get you for um, yeah.
1: And maybe that's how the maggots come into play. Maybe I mean because he's like, I don't hardly ever shoot them. So maybe they've got yeah. they've got a clean house and he directs people to it, but he never really goes over there, doesn't pay attention to it. And then maybe he goes over there's like, Oh my gosh, people are just hanging birds there, they're not doing anything with them. There's maggots in some of these. That might make sense.
2: It's very, it's very I mean that scenario is is actually I wouldn't rule it out. I I've done enough – I've guided enough hunts, um, especially for geese in Minnesota, somewhat near the area where he's at, and, and in Rochester, Minnesota. And, I mean, it's – like the clients did not – half the clients did not want to take their birds. Mm-hmm. Like they wanted you to take them. And mm-hmm. so that was that was pretty common. So I wouldn't doubt that, you know, they, they, someone goes in there and leaves them to sit on the table and, oh, dang shoot, we forgot them on the table. Mm-hmm. Guess, you got, guess you got to throw these ones. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not, that's definitely not out of the realm of possibility by any means. Um, you know, I would say in that case, it, if you're the guide, I mean, it would just, it would be a good idea to be aware of that. And You can tell the people that are like that, I mean, you know, and, and, I, and I, just for your own sake and your own uh, legal safety, to be aware of it and just watch out for it, but you kind of feel like you're, you kind of feel like you're babysitting at that point.
0: (laughs) Is that not what guiding is? uh,
2: Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. That is adult, adult babysitting. (laughs) 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 Yeah.
1: So did either of you find it odd that he said he's never seen the the gut pile, never seen the pile? Yeah. I mean, if it's his place, his location, he's never seen it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Seems weird. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just like like you said. I mean, he talked in in that last video. He talked in third person a lot. There was a lot of what if this and that were happening, and it's just like for me, it's just too much going on for me to put the pieces together. Or because you just just a bunch of speculation by us. you need,
2: like a, you need one of those flow charts, you know, where <laughs> it starts at the top. If this happens, then you go to this. If this happens, then you go to that. By the time you get to the bottom, you know, there's a hundred different lines connecting the things.
0: So, holy shit. Where did we just end up at? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I guess at the, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we, I guess we, we kind of talked about like how that, that could happen. Um, We don't know if that's what happened, you know, again, it's just speculation by us, um, yeah. you know, from what he said and his, his defense in the, in the last two videos. Um, But I guess, you know, that kind of brings us to like, you know, the law versus the ethics on it. Yeah.
2: I mean, you're not going to find many duck hunters that even if they do the same things themselves, they're going to, are going to say it's ethical to just go dump a bunch of birds back there. Um, You know, maybe he did, or maybe he didn't do it, but they all occurred around there. And at some point you want to, you want to hope that if you're seeing that or you're knowing that you just say, Hey, you can't you can't do that yeah for one for one you can't do it on my watch two you shouldn't just be shooting anything it's just to throw them away um so that's my take on if you're not going to clean them just don't you don't shoot them and call all good
0: so so kind of like i guess one thing i wanted to touch on i've heard this like multiple times and And, like, my grandpa hunted and my dad hunted with my grandpa. Um, But, like, we didn't – it wasn't like I grew up in a hunting family. Um, But hearing from – and hearing stories from, you know, especially, like, I I heard it on some of the recent um, videos from Meat Eater. Maybe not even recent, but over the summer I've watched some of their their content. And they talk about um, (laughs) people who would – put big game animals in their freezer and kind of as it would be frostbite or frost, they would lose it to freezer burn, not frostbite. Um, that, that portion would get thrown out, you know? Um, Oh yeah.
2: That was, I heard that one too.
0: Yeah. And so I, I think, like you know,
2: a, there's a, there needs to be like a word for that where it's, um, they,
0: they had a I word to describe it. it. It was like,
2: I'm sorry, unwilling wanton waste or will like a uh, long-term and waste what I would call it, where I've heard people say that, where they said, oh, we'll throw them in the freezer, then they can throw them away next spring.
0: Yeah, and so, yeah. I, I mean, it kind of comes to, like, you know, the larger picture on this, and, you know, people, you know, I guess, I mean, how common do you think this is with outfitters, as far as, like, you know, um, having an, a large, you know, a crazy amount of excess uh, waste where the birds aren't being harvested? I mean, is this something that's commonly happening, or is it not?
2: I think it probably depends. I mean, it it totally depends on the individuals running it, and sometimes I think it depends on just the physicality of the location and you know, how organized the place is, and how professional it's going to look. Because that's going to discourage some of that from the from the client side, um, you know. the I think I really only hunted with a guide once. I was on a crane hunt in Texas, and when when we were done hunting, I mean it was tags on all your birds. Birds come back to the shop, you clean them, everything goes in the deal with your name on it, and when you leave, they're damn sure that you get your birds taken with you. So it was, yeah, that was. I mean, like in that manner. Like they were very controlled about it and washed it, and I don't think there's probably any waste in that situation at at the plate. You know, who knows what people do with it when they get off site. Yeah. Um, so I think that helps, especially having it processed ahead of time, I and mean, that makes it easy. And mm-hmm. makes it it makes it makes it easy for people just to take care of, of the meat at that point. Um, you know, but someone from hunting and Northeast South Dakota drives back to Chicago. You know, they got 12 hours and then they got 15, 15 mallards in their um, vehicle each that they need to deal with. And they got wings on them or whatever. Then it's harder. And I bet you in that scenario is where a lot of it happens mm-hmm. because it's not super convenient for people. And I, I I wouldn't think that many guide services really would allow for that to happen knowingly.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to hear then. Well, the only Um, guide that I really have serviced that I've been a part of is I went down to Cypress Crossing in Arkansas, and they are a really high-class operation. The way they do it is – um, whoever's your guide of the day, they handle the birds and they have straps. They and, they and when you shoot it, they put a different strap for each person. Then when you get done with the hunt, it goes right into a professional licensed processor, which that changed a lot of the regulations. Once it goes through a processor, then, um, you don't have to have a wing with it is my understanding and things like that. So, and then they ask yeah. you, do you want meat or do you want us to keep it? And they'll do either. They, but If, if you're going to keep it, they actually ship it to you. Um, And then they also at their lodge, they, every third meal is duck. So they feed all this right back to the clients. And it's just kind of a well-oiled machine where it's just, man, because Joel Strickland down there, he's the chef. So we talked a lot about the whole process of it and everything. And, and they are meticulous the way that they go about it. So I'm sure that a lot of you know, especially the established services with the lodges and and the cooks, and I mean, they know what they're doing, and they're you know, they follow a certain um, system to the T, where others probably get a little sloppy.
2: Yeah, I think I think sloppy that actually is probably a good word just to describe what probably happened in this scenario that we're discussing. Is it just got sloppy and mm-hmm. yeah shit happens and you know it probably was it probably wasn't a thing with him going out and just saying oh yeah just go dump him in the back we just need to go shoot tomorrow tomorrow it wasn't that yeah it was probably just convenience and customers and clients and whatever it's a culmination of a lot of little things that make it turn into one one kind Mm -hmm. of big big thing
0: yeah so kind of answering answering the the question that we kind of pose with the law versus the ethics on it. I mean, it sounds like with the law, if, if the one waste is different between States, then, you know, there's possible there. And then with the ethics for sure, you know, um, it's not great, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, you're not, it's, it's not going to be highly regarded in anyone's eyes. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely on that. And I think, you know, kind of, kind of like I was saying with the broader picture, as far as, you know, I, as waterfowl hunters we don't want to have um any of those ethics kind of you know on ourself you know we need to make sure we're doing a good job with that we're not doing the freezer burn um cycle uh with, yeah. with your birds and i mean you, you hear stories about people's freezers going out and everything like that and you know i think it comes down to you know uh for, you know having a yeah, hot tip for that is having a vacuum seal you know put your birds in in for that kind of solves a lot of freezer burn issues but Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you got, you got any final thoughts on this, Elliot?
1: I think, you know, I've texted back and forth with Sean. I've watched both of his videos. We've talked about at length. I don't think that he was set out, setting out to break all these laws and try to hide it from, from the authorities. I, I don't think so. I think like Phil said, I think things got a little sloppy. Maybe he didn't have his nose closely in enough what his clients were doing, Um, And and maybe there were some poor decisions, but I don't see him as a person that's just the the Jeff Foyles type. I mean, everyone kind of agrees that Jeff Foyles was just knowingly breaking laws, flaunting it, shooting over limits. I don't think Sean was doing that. Um, I think that maybe things got a little sloppy and he wasn't paying close attention enough to what was going on. So as the waterfowl community, I don't think this is a person that just needs to be shunned and just, you know, broken down and you're a dirt bag. And, and I think that he can learn lessons from this and clean things up and, and move on. I'm not going to think of him as just some rotten scumbag um, in my way of thinking. Um, I don't think, I, I just don't think he was like, yeah, we're just piling all these birds in there. I, I, I think like Phil said, it's just something that got sloppy. Yeah.
0: I definitely kind of agree with that. And then kind of what you're saying with him learning lessons, I think, Two, the whole waterfowl community can learn lessons from it, um, as well. Especially talking about guide services and people not wanting birds and and you know ethics across the board. So, Phil, you got any last? Now, thoughts? I want to say
1: one more thing. Let me say one more thing. I want to make okay. clear that that if you are piling birds, shooting birds, and piling them into a ditch uncleaned, that's awful. I want to make sure that that my opinion is is clear on yes. that. Yeah. You should yeah. never knowingly be ditch dumping unclean birds. I find that to be disgusting and horrible. I just want to make sure that everyone's clear on my stance on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh we can all for all three of us we can we can agree on that.
2: Yeah. Um no, I think I was my last one was kind of a, a final thoughts type deal, but you know just when you're when you get into that position where you're a comic and, and he's talked about jealousy a lot when you're in that position you're you're gonna have and I know I, I kind of um, hinted at him last time kind of whining about maybe a target on his back but you are gonna have that a little bit in, in his position and he seemed to be aware of it and yep. you know, he seemed pretty authentic in his um, admissions I mean at least, and, and talking about and saying good stuff wrong who knows um, what all happened but you know I'll for the most part believe what he said and seemed to be like he wasn't at least out there doing it himself. so Which is, which is different than other people that you're babysitting that you're, that
0: they're doing it. So, yep. All righty. Well, I think that's a wrap on this subject. So I appreciate everybody tuning in again for another week of podcast. Uh, Phil, thanks again for coming on Phil Conkey. You guys can find him um, on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle again?
2: Uh Phil
0: Conky Photos. Phil Conky Photos. Um yeah. definitely some some great stuff out there on, on his Instagram as well. So appreciate you coming in, on with us again and sharing your insight. Um but I think let's go ahead and sign off. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and Phil Conky, and we'll see you guys on the next one.